0: Open up in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're just going to be in verses 1 and 2 today. We're going to be bouncing around a lot as we are in this thematic sermon series on the cross. What does it mean to be completely focused on the cross, shaped by the cross? And this idea that the cross changes everything. And so we've looked at this need to focus on the cross. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 2 that he resolved to know nothing when he was with this church except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We talked about we should be consumed with the idea, the message, and our identity in the cross, completely focused on the cross of Jesus. We sat in the classroom of the cross. We said, What can we learn about ourselves? We are sinners in need of salvation. Jesus Christ, our Savior, gave Himself for us. We are saved through grace alone. We looked at Jesus taking our place on the cross, that that should have been our punishment, but He did it for us. Last week, we looked at the cross being a free gift. And it's offered to us, freely to us, but incredibly costly to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today, we're going to be looking at cross-shaped living, And you know, a common theme when someone is saved from a particularly difficult or horrific situation or a tragedy, they think they're going to lose their life and then they're they're saved. Rescuers come in and pull them out of the burning car, the burning building, and they're saved. And you hear the interviews and they say, this changes my life. I see myself differently. I, I feel like I have a new purpose, a new perspective on life. I experienced almost the opposite of this when I was a lifeguard. Uh, There were numerous times I had to go in the water and save a child from drowning. They would come down the water slide. I worked at a camp and I'd be at the bottom of the water slide and they'd come down and just boom, right underwater, they'd be spurting and, you know, coughing and I'd be trying to tell them just to stand up because it was only two and a half feet deep, but they couldn't hear me. They were too busy drowning. So I'd go in the water and I would grab them, you know, using all my technical lifeguarding skills, which just meant, you know, grab their arm and pull them up and, and I would pull them out of the water and they would just run off right up back to the top of the water slide and they'd come down and drown again and I would have to go in and get them. What struck me was two things. Number one, they seldom said thank you. And I, I, would, st- I would be there and I just think, I just saved your life. The other thing that struck me is that they would go right back to it. Right back down the same water slide into the same water thinking somehow this was going to change this time. I think we need to ask ourselves, what kind of Christians are we? Are we the kind of Christians that when we are saved by Jesus Christ, we know to the core of our being, this changes everything? Or are we the kind of Christians that maybe we do say thank you? Maybe for a day or a month or even a year. Oh, this is great, I'm a Christian. But then we just go on about our lives and we forget about it and we're not changed at all. Today we're going to look at Romans twelve one and 2, and, and this idea, I've called it cross-shaped living. What does it mean to live lives shaped by, changed by the cross of Jesus Christ? See, the gospel is not something that we hear, hopefully believe in, trust in, and then move on from. I got it, Pastor. I've heard about the cross, but now I'm trying to figure out how to fix my marriage. Now I'm trying to parent my kids. Now I'm trying to be good at work. Now I'm trying to be a good person in society. That's what I want to... I get the cross. We've, we're done with that. We've talked about that. You can't do that. The cross must come into everything we do. We never move on from the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. What we do is go deeper deeper in the message of the cross and we continue to apply it to situations and to see those situations and see ourselves in those situations in the light of the cross of Jesus Christ. So I want to start there. What does it mean to live in the light of the cross? Why does that even matter? Shouldn't we just receive Christ, get our ticket into heaven and then go on trying to be a good person? No, what does it mean to live in the light of the cross? Paul starts in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and we're just going to look at the first part here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, and I'm going to stop there, and I know that's hard because he goes on, he talks about really important stuff, we'll get to it, but we've got to get this first. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. If you know anything about the book of Romans, it's divided into two major parts. There's kind of the major doctrinal, theological, talking about the gospel. That's chapters 1 through 11. And then he moves into a much more practical, and, and he goes into, okay, how do we relate to one another? How do we relate to our society? And he gets very practical. And the hinge point, the pivot point in the book is right here, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I would argue this first phrase is the pivot point. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. He's not saying, okay, I hope you get all that. Now let's talk about how to live. He says, take everything I've just said about the mercy of God. And now through that lens, we're going to look at our lives. You see the difference? You don't move on from it. You continue to look through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what I want to do is give you an overview of the book of Romans so you can see the weightiness of what Paul means here when he says, in view of God's mercy. Because that little short phrase is pulling in all of these incredible truths that we have to look at in order to live in the light of the cross. Now some of these we covered 3 weeks ago when I talked about the classroom of the cross, what we learn about ourselves, but I want to go over some of them again. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul lays out his thesis point for the entirety of the book of Romans for i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus or for i am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of god that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the jew then to the gentile so that's what the book of romans is about what is the gospel the word gospel means good news i, I would prefer to translate it great news but technically in greek it's good news It's the good news, the great news about Jesus Christ. That he came, he died in our place and offers salvation to everyone who believes. And that this changes everything. So Paul's writing about the gospel and look at where he starts. Chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Boy, that doesn't go over well today. People want to be uplifted and encouraged and and helped. And Paul just starts right in. He says, I'm going to tell you good news. Let's start by understanding none of you are righteous. Thanks, Paul. He's not done yet. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the redemption or by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus So he goes right into, no one is righteous for all have sinned. This is the level playing field before the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is where we have to start in seeing our lives through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It must start with, I am a sinner. You are a sinner. They are a sinner. We all are sinners. It has to start there. Then the good news kicks in. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still sinners. I love that phrase. So many people think, well, I can't come to God. I can't show up at church. I'm not good enough. They wouldn't accept me. I'm, God, God would never listen to my prayers. I'm not righteous enough. Romans 5, 8. While we were still Sinners. Some people live with so much guilt, and if you just go to them and say, do you feel just sinful and overwhelmed and unworthy? I do. Perfect. That's the starting place. Honestly, I think those people are easier to talk to about Christ than the people that say, oh, no, I'm not a sinner. I'm good. Then you have to go back earlier to Romans chapter 3 for all of sin. None of us are righteous. But in our lack of righteousness and our complete unworthiness, God sent his Son to save us. So, this is when Paul's talking about, in view of God's mercy, this is the mercy he's talking about. He goes on in chapter 6, verses 5 and 7 For if we have been united with him in his death, or in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. There's so much to unpack there, but I just want to get the high level here. What Paul is saying is my savior, Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. That's how, Paul says, that's how he sees himself now, and that's how he's challenging us and every Christian to see themselves. You are dead to sin, and you have a new life in Jesus Christ. Literally everything about you has just changed. You are a new person. He's beginning to cause us to look at our lives through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who who are in Christ Jesus. In the beautiful passage of verses 38 to 39, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Throughout the remaining Chapters in the opening of Romans, or chapters 9 through 11, he, he deals with Jew and Gentile relationships and how the gospel even heals that. But I love that he starts with no one's righteous, everybody's a sinner, and he ends with there is now no more condemnation in Jesus Christ. That difference is the difference of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go from everyone is a sinner to in Christ there is now no more condemnation is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul responds at the end of the opening of Romans, all 11 chapters of it. You think my first points go long. He says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. All of that. Everything I just said, it's so much more because obviously he goes into greater detail. It's all wrapped up in that phrase, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Becoming a Christian is not checking a box. Yes, I believe. Becoming a Christian is being completely changed in how we look at ourselves, how we look at one another, how we look at God, how we look at the world, how we look at our Purpose in life. It is a complete change. The cross changes everything. And Paul starts there. He says, don't forget all this. Bring it in as we get practical here. Bring in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living in the light of the cross means that we must see ourselves as sinners saved by grace. Sinners saved by grace. Grace. In those moments that we want to look at society and talk about those people and how awful those people are, stop. You, you might be right, but that's not the point. The point is, through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should look at ourselves and say, I am no better than those people, I'm a sinner. And if there is any mercy in my life, any change that has taken place, I cannot take any credit for it. It is by the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it can change me, guess what? It can change them too. They don't need my judgment. They need Christ's gospel. Seeing ourselves through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the lens of the cross, is a completely different way of looking at ourselves and looking at the world. And we realize that it's not us that changed us. It's not us. If there's anything good in us as good church-going people, good Christian people, we cannot claim the credit for it. It's all because of Jesus Christ. There is no room for arrogance in a gospel-changed world cross-focused Christian. No room. I think arrogance and pride is one of the most un-Christian attitudes people can have. And yet so often I see people that say they've been changed by the gospel and they want to argue theological points or they want to argue with our culture or argue politics and just bash people over the head. And say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm right, and you need to listen to me. And I think, but your arrogance is speaking so much louder than your truth. Friends, we've got to see ourselves through the light of the gospel. doesn't mean we let go of truth. The gospel is truth. Yes, there's sin out there. There's also sin in here. And there's also sin in here. And we need to say, it's only because of Jesus Christ that there is anything good whatsoever. And then we need to shift our focus and take our eyes off of ourselves and what I want and what I need and what I deserve. Because, man, if you want to go down that route of what we deserve through the lens of the gospel, guess which destination you end up with. We all deserve hell. What's my right You want to cling to your rights? Our right is to go to hell. That's what we deserve. As Christians, the gospel says, I'm not clinging to what I deserve and what is my right. I'm clinging to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and so I want to offer that to the world. So we take our eyes off of ourselves and we stick our eyes on Christ. Living in the light of the cross means in every situation, every moment, every decision, every interaction with other people at work or at home, we say, I am a sinner saved by grace through the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does that change what I do and say now? What I think now? How I act now? It changes the, completely the direction of our life. It changes everything about us. And let's look at what it means that the, the cross then, as we look and we live in the light of the cross, and we look at everything through the lens of the cross, how does that change our direction in life? Now, as I talk about living a cross-shaped direction, I want to just clarify It is good, you know, people talk about the the actual shape of the cross. There's a vertical and there's a horizontal. We have a relationship with God, a relationship with other people. That's good, but that's not actually what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the truth of the cross, not just the physical shape of it. Talking about how the cross changes our direction in life when our focus gets off of ourselves and onto what Christ has done. And so Paul goes on in chapter 12, verse 1 of Romans. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. About a month or two ago, I taught Sunday school here when we were still having combined adult Sunday school, and I taught on living a life of worship from these verses. So some of you, this will be a little bit of a repeat, but... I want to look at it a little differently this morning. Because this is talking about living as a sacrifice. It's a complete change in how we look at our lives and the direction that we are headed in. Throughout the Old Testament, sacrifices were offered as an expression of faith in the God who saves and changes his people. The sacrifice was offered trusting in the God who saves them. And then we come to the New Testament we have the greatest sacrifice ever. The once for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The perfect, spotless, sinless sacrifice of Jesus Christ that never needs to be repeated. We can't improve upon it. We can't add to it. We come to Christ and live in the light of the gospel saying He died for me. And then... We say, that changes my life. And Jesus says this in Mark chapter 8, verses or verse 34. Then Jesus, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Do you see the complete shift in the direction of our lives? See, our natural way of thinking says go for everything you can, get what you can, have as much fun as you can, align yourself with people that make you happy, and if they don't make you happy, just don't worry about them, leave them behind. Do what you have to do to be you. And the gospel comes in and says, no, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. It's a different way of looking at our lives, isn't it? We want to look at our lives and say, it's all about me. How do I get what I want? How do I find joy and happiness for myself? The gospel comes along and it says, stop looking at yourself because you're not going to find what you want there, no matter how hard you look and no matter how much we change the language that we use to refer to ourselves. Take our eyes off of ourselves, put them on the cross of Jesus Christ. And then live that way. Live a life denying ourselves and focusing on Jesus Christ. Living a life of sacrificial living, trusting in the gospel, means a complete change in the direction of our life. Have you ever had the situation when you're driving and you start looking at something out, out the side window? And, and I notice this especially as I'm teaching my kids to drive, because you know what happens when they look in a direction? car starts veering that way it's the same way in life where we put our focus begins to change the direction of our life we say no 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 not really that's not really my focus i was just just looking for a minute you don't understand you just started going that way you didn't even know living this life in view of God's mercy and saying, I've been saved by Him, so I'm now living for Him. I'm offering myself completely to God because He has saved me through His Son. It means that daily, moment by moment, we are fixing our eyes on Him and offering our thoughts, our motivations, our actions, all of it, all of it is a sacrifice to Him. Denying ourselves, focusing on Him. Jesus came so that we could be saved. I'm afraid that too often today we've changed that to say that Jesus came so that we can be happy. And then we say, okay, I want to be happy, and that's good. And you know what? I can point to you to verses that that God wants you to be happy. It is true that Jesus came so that you could be happy. There is truth in that. Here's the problem. We take our idea, our very self-centered, selfish idea of happiness, and we put that on Jesus and say, that's why he saved me, so that I could get what I want, so that I could be what I want, so that I could always feel encouraged in what I want. The great irony is that that never actually leads to happiness. It always leaves us wanting more. Living this cross-shaped direction in our life means that we have a completely new focus for why we do and how we do and what we do for everything in life. Our motivation is completely changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ, We look at everything and say, I am no longer the sinner that I was. I don't have to follow those ways. I am made new in Jesus Christ. I'm going to show that and live it out in my day-to-day actions and how I treat people. It changes our priorities. Our number one priority is no longer self, me, what I can get out of things. It's now the glory of God. I love that Paul ends 11 chapters of incredibly deep theology with this profound outburst of praise. And then he says, okay, let's talk about rubber meat in the road here, how we're going to live. But he says, pull all that in. Keep the focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be very careful at this point as we talk about living in the direction of the cross of Jesus Christ living out this cross-shaped Christ-changed direction in our life we have to be careful because we can't just take our ideas and put them on the cross we can't take our idea of what's normal and natural and what we want in the life and just in life and just ask God to bless it to say give me what i want now that is so dangerous We must allow the cross to change how we think. And so we come to verse two of Romans chapter 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I love these first two verses of Romans. I I think as Christians, as modern Christians, specifically as modern American Christians, we have got to understand Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 because I really do believe so many of us are missing it. And you see that in this religion that says, God bless me with what I want. Here's my plan. Here's what I want. Bless it. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 comes along and it says to each one of us, you must Be changed. You must be changed. Do you see the two parts here? The first part is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Don't go this way. Go this way. Don't think the way that is normal and natural to you, the way of this world. Be changed, transformed in another way. There is no middle ground. We will either conform our thinking to the ways of this world, the pattern of this world or will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then part two is, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We've gotten that so backwards. We come to God and say, God, this is what I want. I just want you to bless it. This is how I feel. I just want you to bless it. This is how I see myself and what I need, and I just want you to bless it. And God comes to us and says, fall on your knees before the cross of my son that saved you. Look there. Be changed there. Look at your life now through the lens of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let that change how you look at everything. Then and only then are you going to start to understand and be able to appreciate what God's will is. Faith. Has to, begin, has to be the starting point let 's look at this together here as the starting point for changed thinking this not conforming but rather be transformed First Corinthians chapter one, verse eighteen offers an incredible warning to us paul 's writing to a church, a group of Christians that are profoundly messed up, incredibly selfish. Their church is a mess. Their lives are a mess. The culture around them is a mess. I think we can totally identify. And he's writing to them and he challenges them in so many different ways. But one of them is this in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And let's bring in another verse, verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just a little later in that chapter. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the wisdom of God is stronger than human strength. Ever had one of those moments where you just say, well, well, this just makes sense to me. I think this is the way we should live, because this just makes sense to me. As a Christian, cross-focused, gospel-changed Christian, we need to have a bright, flashing red light in our mind that in those moments that we say, this just makes sense to me, we stop and go, wait a minute. Because what makes sense to us, what is normal and natural to us, according to Paul writing in 1 Corinthians and writing in Romans chapter 12, he's saying what's normal and natural to you, your normal ways of thinking are infused, infected by, and distorted by sin. So we can't just take our ways of doing things and bring them to God and say, bless them, because those things are sinful from the start. And God says, no, 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 no. I've got something so much better for you. Trust me for the thing that I want to give you that is so much better. We need to be changed in how we think. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Changed in how we think. We will either conform to this world or we will be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way this happens is through the renewing of our minds. And here's, I think, one of the struggles of modern Christianity. And and frankly, of our culture in general, we want to be entertained. We want to have deep and strong feelings about things. But we don't want to think anymore. And and the gospel forces us to think. Think. And not just to think what makes sense to us, but to be changed in how we think. We have to have our minds renewed. And we go back to chapter 12, verse 1. He says, in view of God's mercy, what is it that renews your mind? Understanding, knowing, thinking about the mercy of God through Jesus Christ. That's why he wrote Romans chapter uh, chapters 1 through 11 before he got to chapter 12 he couldn't just start in with now do this and don't do that he said you have to know what to think Christians go back to the gospel don't ever move on from the gospel Let it change how you think about yourself. Let it change how you see yourself in the mirror. Let it change how you see your spouse and your children or the person sitting next to you at work or the politician on TV. Look through the lens of the gospel and have your thinking changed. Don't just say or do the first thing that pops to your mind and say, well, this is what I think. Stop. That's the way the world works. The media The internet is full of people just saying how they want to think. We're called to be different. We're called to think through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. At its heart, this means that living a cross-shaped life is ultimately an act of faith. And let me just tease that out so you see it. Then, so he starts with don't conform. Stop going this direction. Be transformed. Go this direction. Understand the gospel. Go this way. Then, after you have done that, and as you are following Christ and being changed by him, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is and go, oh, that makes sense to me now. We want to sit here in our sinfulness and say, I think this way. God, change my mind. Help me to approve your will. We want to sit here and say, God's way makes sense. Therefore, I will follow it. The gospel says, you've got to trust. It's not going to make sense to you. It's going to be foolishness, Paul said. People look at the gospel all the time and go, that's foolishness. As Christians, we should say, I can see why you would say that. Of course you would say that. The Bible says you would say that. What we need to do is make that step of faith to say, I am no longer going to trust myself. Man, we don't like that. We we don't want to be taken for granted. We don't want to be taken in by anybody. But the gospel says, quit trusting yourself. And this is just so profoundly anti-modern American way of thinking. Stop trusting yourself. Trust in God through Jesus Christ. Let that change you. Step out in faith and follow the path of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's calling us to do. And then along the way, and I see this in Bible studies and conversations in the hallways, people talk and they say, man, I saw the goodness of God in my life this past week. And it comes out because their way of thinking has been changed through the gospel being applied to their life. And then they see their life differently and they go, wow, he's been doing that all along and I didn't see it. And it's a beautiful and powerful thing. Cross-shaped thinking changes how we look at ourselves. It changes how we look at others. It changes how we look at God. We stop and we remind ourselves that He is sovereign. He is righteous. He is loving. He is gracious. He has given us salvation. Our normal, natural way of thinking is, I've got this. I can do this. I can do all things through my own strength. That's kind of our own way of thinking about this. I can do what I want, because what I want is by necessity right, and it's my thing, therefore I'm going to do it, and everybody else just has to get out of my way. And the gospel comes in and says, let God change you. We need to look to the cross for our identity our culture right now is consumed with self-identification. How we think about ourselves, how we identify ourselves, even to the point of our, our gender or sexual preferences. And the gospel comes in and says, lay it all down at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. He knows who you are better than this culture. He knows who you are better than yourself. Guys, I'm 46 years old. I don't think I'm all that old, okay? I walk into a room and I go, why did I come here? (laughs) You're going to trust me? You're going to put the burden of determining my own self-identity on me? That's crazy. I would rather have somebody way smarter than me determine those things. And when we come to God, He's sovereign. He knows all things. He created us. He has power over all things. He saved us and He holds on to us. That's where I want my identity. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the more we trust in God, the more we stop, start looking back at our old ways of thinking that we thought were so smart and we go, man, I was foolish. Humility says along the way, I need to remind myself that one day I might look back at how I'm thinking now and the way I'm treating others now, and I might look back and go, man, I was foolish. So let's be careful. Let's hold on to these things with an incredible sense of humility. We must allow the gospel to shape and change the way we think. We think. Guys, Jesus didn't just save you and then set you down and say, go be free, be happy, do whatever you want. He saved us. And as we looked at last week, it it meant that he calls us into a relationship. He set us free from the guilt of sin. He purchased us back from the slave market of sin. He's given us new birth through Him. All of this is in this relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to stay in that relationship. Pick up the message and the truth of the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ, and say, I am not who I was. I have been changed. And I'm going to live that way. Next week, we're going to look at the truth that as we do that as individuals, something amazing happens. We start walking in this direction of the cross of Jesus Christ, and we start looking to our sides and go, there's other people walking here too. Maybe we could do this together. We're going to look at what a cross-shaped church is, people following Christ together. So here's what i want to leave you with this week here's my challenge my homework for you i want you to wake up every morning and remind yourself that you've been changed by the cross of jesus christ take a moment before you get out of bed before you start your day and just stop and say i need to remember today i've been changed by the cross of jesus christ Ask God then to help you to live out that change in every situation of your life. As you're about to meet with someone, pick up the phone and call them, respond to an email or a text or whatever it is, go into a work meeting, deal with your kids. Just take a brief moment and remind yourself, I've been changed by the cross of Jesus Christ. And then ask God, help me to see how that change affects this situation. Help me to see myself through the cross. Help me to see that person through the cross. Help me to live out the cross in this situation. Because I believe as we live cross-changed, cross-shaped lives, guess what we start showing to other people? Not how awesome we are, because they don't need that. We start showing them how incredible the cross is. As we live cross-shaped lives, we are living evangelists, messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can point other people to the incredible good news of the cross where they can be saved and they can be changed and they can understand what it means to live for the glory of God in every situation of their lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, we are easily distracted. We are easily consumed with things that are less than you, less than your truth. We are easily swayed by our own personal preferences and the preferences of those around us. And God, I pray that you would challenge us to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ that there the Son of God died in our place to save us from our sins, that we might have new life in Him. There's no fixing ourselves up there. There's no being good enough for you. There's no having our own desires or dreams just blessed by you. It is, that is the end of us and the beginning of something new through Jesus Christ. The great lie of sin is that we're going to find ourselves the more we look for ourselves. And the great truth of your word is that by laying down our lives and trusting in Jesus, we will find more blessing and more truth about ourselves than we ever could have possibly imagined. Help us, Father, to quit settling for lesser things. May we as Christians today in this world live cross-changed lives. And Father, I know primarily today I've been talking to Christians, followers of Jesus, but I pray if there's anyone here who has never given their life to you, that they would hear there is a purpose and a meaning in being saved by your son, Jesus, that they will never find elsewhere even though they long for it so much. May they too give their lives to you that they might be changed by you, become an ambassador for you, And God, as we continue next week to look at being a cross-changed church, help us to knit our lives together in the church that we might live together in our relationships, demonstrating the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.